and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. So be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, my name is Sage. I use she, they pronouns, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sindula. Hi, my name is Claire. My pronouns are she, her, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Claire Crees. And welcome back. Um, we are talking about Andor today, episodes one through three. Um, we've been really, really busy in our personal lives lately, so we haven't really had a regular uploading schedule, but we're pretty much back on track now. Um, we'll be doing uh, one through three today, and then next week we'll have uh, episodes four and five covered, and then we'll do um, path of the uh, path. Mm, let me start. Then we're gonna do our path of deceit um, review uh, and talk about that. So High Republic Phase Two is coming. It's almost here, and we're having a really good time. I did only watch these episodes once. I will watch them again eventually because they're really good. Like I really, really am enjoying the show. Um, I just don't have time for anything. Let's start with the opening scene of episode one. Yeah, so not to like say this immediately, but I think that the opening scene was like my favorite part of the three episodes. Like, <laughs> like not that the rest of it was bad. I just was like, it really, I had to like take a second. Like it was, it was a, it was a really strong like opening. The, all the opening events were like a really strong way to start the show. And like, I knew going into this that it was going to have kind of a different like tone and different kind of like, it was going to be a bit more mature than the other Star Wars shows have been. And like, I knew that mentally, but I think like still when I was watching it, I was like, this is another Star Wars show. And then it was like really hitting hard, like right off the bat, you know, in a good way. Like, I think it is really well done. And yeah, I, I've watched the first few episodes twice now. And I just think they're so good. Like, I'm also episode four. <laughs> anyway, but we're not, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, so I think they start off really strong. Um, and I think that, like, you can tell from the very beginning what kind of message the show is trying to send and what it's trying to focus on and what, like, points it wants to hit. And I think that if they keep those themes consistent throughout and then also like expand upon that as Cassian gets more wrapped up in the rebellion, I think it's going to be a really strong first season. So true. I totally agree. I think also like the production value of the show in general is just so good. Everything is so well done. Every shot feels so intentional. Um, and not saying that the other shows don't have that because I do think that something that Star Wars has going from them for them in like recent years is like, the actual just beauty of the things that they're creating. Um, this show hits different. It hits different. Um, it's so good. Um, I did geek out when I saw 4B, 4BBY pop up there. I was like, wow. When I saw that on the screen, I was like, oh my God, I know what that means. And then I was I like, felt wow. so nerdy. I was like, oh my God. No, literally. And I was like, Claire, it's literally a year. Mm -hmm. like, please calm like, down. <laughs> But I also think that's going to be very helpful in season two if they continue to do that, which I think they will, because we're going to be covering like like three episodes to a year. And so I'm like, yeah, we need to be doing because Star Wars, the timeline, like 
I just wish they would be a little better about putting years to things because it drives me crazy when I'm trying to like figure out when things happen. So I love that we're actually doing that like right off the bat and also location, like location names on screen is so helpful to me as a person who cannot remember the names of like 50 million planets and cities. Like I just can't do it. Um, So thank you for putting them on my screen so I can remember them. I think also like it's it kind of sets up a like a it sets it up really well for people who don't know Star Wars that well. Um, Not that they'd have any idea what BBY means. Um, I do wish they like put in parentheses like before Battle of Yavin. That would make a lot more sense for people who don't know what BBY means, which is like probably most people because not everyone is, you know, insane. Um, But I also think that. yeah, for people who really do know the lore, who know all the canon events, um, it's a really good like way to place where this is. Also, like what's going on in the time. Um, and we'll get into it when we do episode four, but like the little lore drops throughout the entire thing, the little Easter eggs are really, really like supporting the show. And not everyone's going to know what they mean, of course, which makes complete sense and is totally fine. And it's just like a detail that's there for them. But for people who know everything about Star Wars, um, it's like, oh my gosh, I know what that means. Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense of where this is in the show. Like it's, it's so, it's so fun to watch. And you can tell that the amount of attention to detail is going into every single episode. The writer's room, they must be insane. Like these people, I want to know what you're on. Um, but yeah, uh, and then so m- moving on from our, our little opening, we get, um, first of all, the first information that we get is that uh, is that Cassian has a sister. So true. Um, a little upset that like she's not like here, you know, but um that obviously like segues into the scenes into our flashback scenes which i loved i've seen some interesting thoughts on them um that i like don't really have any place to speak to but i do think that they are great for um giving us a little information about cassian and his upbringing uh and we also got marva as a character who is great love her um but yeah I thought they tied in really well together I thought the flashbacks going through this like little arc of three episodes because that's really what it is and I do hope that the rest of this season the series like goes through these like little arcs these little storylines which is great yeah I completely agree and I definitely think that releasing because at first I was like why are we releasing three episodes in one night like I can't be doing that but now I'm like yeah that was definitely the right call because I don't, it didn't, I don't necessarily think it got off to a slow start in the way that some people are saying like, oh, it was so slow. All they did was like talk. Like it was very intentional, like character building and world building. Um, But I do think that those three episodes fit together really nicely and kind of had their own like self-contained stories going on. And so I think that releasing all three of them, one gave us like that full kind of narrative, like that was spanning those three episodes at once, which was nice. But also, like, I feel like I had a really good idea of what the show is about, where the show is going, who these characters are better than I would have if we had only had one episode. And yeah, I hope that they kind of like 
do these kind of like three three or four episode arcs I think that works really well and it obviously seems like that's what they're going to do in season two when you're dividing it up by four years um but yeah I think because I think that not talk about episode four but it's just like it's different settings new some new characters and a different like storyline for Cassian is kind of starting so I think it's going to be very similar of like that's going to get wrapped up in three episodes and then it's going to kind of shift gears and focus on something else which I really like because I think that I think if done well that can really work and I think they seem to be doing a really good job with it so far of like we can have these kind of individual stories across three episodes but then how are they all going to tie together and sort of like come together at the end of the season in a big picture and I think that if they keep going the direction they're going that's going to work out really well and everything's going to fit together really nicely because we have a lot of characters in this show and also a lot of new characters like a lot of our main characters are new characters um and so I think it's important that like they give everyone enough time on screen to establish their characters and also like tell the story they need to tell with each individual character and so I like that they kind of are like changing the focus around as we go along and letting each character kind of like have their little moment so that we know who our cast is so that once we get into like later season one and even season two we have this really strong cast of characters to be so that we can view the rebellion through a different lens that we haven't really seen in Star Wars before. And like to continue just kind of the conversation surrounding like the pacing of the show um it's not my favorite so far of course four episodes are out like that's not enough to judge uh, the pacing of an entire series um I do think that serial franchises like Star Wars work better when storytelling is in the short term um when each individual story is in the short term because this franchise literally takes place over hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and right now is like obviously in the canon, a pivotal point uh, for the overall Skywalker saga. Um, and this series is disconnected from that, but it also like plays an integral part. We're learning about the rebellion, which is literally what the original trilogy is about. Um, and I'm always here for more content that takes place between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. I think that is one of the best eras of Star Wars. Um, we're in Rebels eras, like we're in the Rebels era right now. Speaking of which, I think this show is set up very similarly to Star Wars Rebels. Uh, we follow like basically the same amount of characters, but each arc of three or four episodes does focus more on certain characters um, and I think that is some of the best ways to tell story, like to storytell. I just really, I just really enjoy it. And I do think that that is why some parts feel a little bit slower is because there has to be necessary information to build on a character. And that doesn't mean the show is bad. That doesn't mean that like it's bad pacing. It's just necessary exposition for the series as a whole, for Cassian's character as a whole and for what's happening in Star Wars. Like we need information about what the empire is doing to certain planets, to uh, certain rebel cells. Like we need that information. We also, I think we'll get into this probably throughout the series, but we really have not seen on screen until now how ruthless and brutal the empire is. Even like I'd say rebels 
does show it, but it's also a cartoon. It's also animated. And that doesn't mean that it's any like worse. I think Rebels is my favorite show. I think it's a piece of art, Um, but it was made for kids and they did have to, you know, buffer things. With a show like this, which is aimed towards an older audience, um, it's, we can really grasp that idea that the empire is actually a fascist regime um, and they do shitty things uh, because some people seem to not really get that through their heads. Uh, still, even though when did a new hope come out like over 30 years ago, like girl, let's, let's get with the program. Um, but yeah, I really do like what this show is doing for this era and obviously for Cassian's character. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, the politics of the show are very in your face, but like not in a bad way. Like I think that sometimes when shows are trying to make a political statement and they're like really shoving it in your face, it doesn't land. But I think that for this show and for this audience and also like as a person who has engaged with the Star Wars fandom and knowing that some people like don't have media literacy, I think that it kind of has to be very like this, this is what we're trying to tell you with this show. Like it's not hard to figure out what the message is and what the themes are and like what real world events are being drawn from to tell these stories. And I like that they are being very clear and upfront about it because it doesn't leave room for people to like debate it or say like, no, actually this is what they were trying to. And I also like that the creators and the cast members have also been very like honest about what story they're trying to tell here. Like, I think that everyone knows what is being said with this show. And I, and I think that like, they're not leaving room for people to kind of try to like twist it and make it into some stupid, like, oh, see, this is actually like, proof that the empire were not the bad guys and the rebellion was like bad too like blah 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 like all this stupid stuff that some star wars fans like to say they're kind of like not really leaving room for that discussion and people are still saying it people are always going to say that stuff because like it's never going to not happen but i think that like you know there's only so much you can do as a creator like they can't change everyone's perspective and you can't force everyone to watch things and take something specific away from it but it to the extent of like what you can do to make sure that the themes land the way that you want them to I think they're doing a really good job with that yeah of course and I think also like you were saying like not everyone's gonna get it not everyone's gonna get it um because they don't want to like that's literally the only reason is they don't want to um and I think that a show that shows the oppression of minority groups upon like because of a fascist regime is something that a lot of um these fanboys don't want to get and you know that's fine just like keep it to yourself like keep it to yourself I feel like we come on this podcast at least once a month and are like you guys you need to shut up and read a book um but I'm gonna say it again because love the discourse surrounding this series so much love it so much because why are just some boys like oh my god these guys aren't the bad guys what's the guy's name that kyle plays cyril, cyril. yeah cyril? okay well let's go with cyril um yeah no like he's literally the antagonist like <laughs> oh 
imagine literally with your whole chest getting on the clock app and being like, you guys, he's not the bad guy here. No, because imagine saying that and then calling Cassian an anti-hero, like in what reality? In what reality is the guy who's literally fighting oppression from a fascist regime an anti-hero? That's really embarrassing, to be completely honest. That's really embarrassing. And like, because because he killed a cop in the beginning? Okay. So true. And so what about true. <laughs> Like, am I supposed to feel bad? Am I supposed to feel bad? Um, Shout out to Emily. Shout out to our bestie, Emily, at Stardust M on social media for literally getting in those fucking trenches and kicking asses over there. Girl, I could not do what you're doing. You are slaying. Yeah, shout out to Emily. If you go and talk shit to her, you're going to get me in your comment section. And you don't want that. You really don't. Um, It gets really embarrassing really quickly. Anyways, back to Andor. Um, I do think that the messages that the show is sending, which we were all just talking about, are being like so clear, like they're so clear, um, but not in a way that's like, oh my gosh, this is what we're talking about. No, it's literally just like you're watching like this happen on the screen. You're watching everything happen on the screen. You're watching Cassian and others fight oppression basically from the empire. It can't get more clear than that. Um, and it does it in such a beautiful and amazing way, like visually and how it's written. I think the dialogue in this show is some of the best dialogue that we've ever seen in Star Wars. I would say that it's the best. So shout out to that writer's room. You're so good. The lines in the show, like there are so many iconic lines. So true of them. No, because I lost it when it was in the trailer. And I know when it's in the show in context, I'm going to lose it even more when the clip of Saw Gerrera in the trailer where he where Luthen says like call it what you will and he says let's call it war finally can finally we're gonna get a good characterization of Saw Gerrera. like we've been waiting for this one Please. it doesn't happen often but like no. I know they're gonna nail it and I think that um now I started thinking about Saw Gerrera and I got <laughs> we were talking about the lines that are written in the show yes we were yeah I agree um the dialogue has been really good so far. I feel like sometimes when I'm watching Star Wars projects, I kind of just accept that like it's gonna the dialogue. It's like Star Wars dialogue. I'm like, yeah, it's camp. not like groundbreaking dialogue, but like it's it's good. Like for Star Wars, like it's good. But I feel like this show never once did I think about like the, the like someone said something and I was like, okay, well it's Star Wars. Like it didn't feel like that. Whereas, like, with pretty much every other show and movie, there's at least a couple lines where I'm, like... Where I'm, like, that sounds like it was written and not said. Exactly, yeah. And I think that, like, especially in this show, there's definitely been some action. People are, like, oh, there's no action. They just talk. And I'm, like, that's literally just not true. But, like, there also is a lot of dialogue. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's very important when you're using dialogue that much to push a narrative that you that it feels authentic, especially in a story that is very, very real. And like, that's another thing is I think that, um, you know, Star Wars takes place in a fictional galaxy. So sometimes people are like, oh, like it's literally a galaxy far, far away. Like it has nothing to do with like reality, whatever. And I'm like, okay, you're literally just wrong, first of all. But also I like that this show is like, yeah, it still feels very like we're in space. We're on a planet in a different, in a galaxy, in some different part of space and like 
people dress different and like the the dialogue is different than things that we would say here but it's also feels very real like it feels like and we've talked about this before with the original trilogy like we've mentioned like how the empire feels kind of like campy in that and like just in general though it feels very like sci-fi very fictionalized which like you know we love the vibes like we love that it feels sci-fi but I think that this show is like no it can feel fictional it can inhabit this fictional world but also we can see the like real world implications and the things that they are drawing from like the current political situations happening in the real world but place them in a fictional universe for so that like people can see them and acknowledge them in a way that they maybe aren't or maybe should be and so I think that it's good that they're kind of like meshing that like oh it it feel it's just like our world that doesn't feel like Star Wars but also it's too Star Warsy and it doesn't feel like it has real implications right the show has such a good balance and even compared to other shows that are, have been made recently I'm it feels real world and Star Warsy at the same time. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is that a majority of the characters are um, human and they're unveiled, uh, which means like in The Mandalorian, we don't see Pedro Pascal's face for a majority of the entire series. There are entire episodes in The Mandalorian that are just Mando and Grogu. We don't see another human face for like the entire episode. And so that makes you feel uh, distanced from it, from what's going on. Unlike this show, which every single character is a human, except for B2, my love, and I'll get into him later. So, um, but for now, uh, and I, I do think it, every single character and plot line, I feel like you can draw a parallel to something that is either happened or is currently going on on earth and ultimately that is the point of science fiction i think people forget what science fiction is and i'm here to tell you that science fiction is is a piece of media that takes place in a world that is not earth and a universe that is not earth or in the future and it's supposed to have conflict that resembles things that are happening on earth and that is exactly what this show does and that's why the show is science fiction rather than i feel like a majority of Star Wars is fantasy as a whole. I do really enjoy this show though, as a piece of science fiction. Um, hopefully it kind of stays like that. I'm always for the debate of whether or not Star Wars is fantasy or science fiction. Um, is it time for me to talk about V2 Emo though? Like, is it time for me to talk about I think, it? Yeah, I think so. Because then we need to talk about Preox Morlana and evil corporations, but I would rather talk about silly little droids first. <laughs> okay, that's such a good idea. Um, so for people who don't know, which I'm sure that every single person listening, who doesn't know quickly, who is that? If this is your first time listening, I guess, and you don't follow me, which you should at Sage Um, sorry. Anyways, um, I am the internet's resident robot enthusiast. Um, and that obviously includes droids from Star Wars. I have very many complex and nuanced, um, thoughts about droids i cannot tell you i literally watched this i watched the first three episodes of andor on thursday they came on wednesday because i was just so busy and 
the amount of texts and DMs and comments that I got saying, oh my God, you're going to love this show because of that little guy. It's, it's insane. Um, <laughs> B2 Emo is my favorite Jordan Star Wars other than Chopper. Um, and I only say that because Chopper is like the love of my life. Um, but I do think that B2 is the best droid representation we've ever had in Star Wars. Uh, I'm very, I'm, I'm here for droid rights. I really am. And I think this show has given B2 a kind of agency that they have never, ever given a droid. Yes, Chopper is sassy and like does whatever he wants, but B2 one can speak in a language that the audience understands. And I think that is very, very important because when you take away the ability to understand what a droid is saying, you're only hearing what they're saying through other people, which is what my like biggest problem with Star Wars droids is, or at least one of them. Um, so when he, when when V2 started talking and I could understand him, I was like, this show was literally written for me. This show was literally written for me. Um, <laughs> and uh, not only that, but the, the droids that do talk in Star Wars, um, like talk in English, are all humanoid droids. I have huge problems with humanoid droids. I think that they're problematic, but that's um, a conversation to, for another time, really. So B2, Bestie, I love you so much. Thank you for speaking um, and for standing up for my droid rights, personally. I have a lot to say about you. Um, but as a character in this show, literally, not only comedic relief, because everything B2 says, I'm like, that was funny. Maybe that's just me, though. Like, I just think he's funny. Um, maybe he's not actually comedic relief, but he's my comedic relief. So that's all that really matters. Uh, but I do think that there's something that happened in the show that that I specifically got a text about saying, um, like, oh, my gosh, this is so something you're going to geek out about. And it was uh, in the first scene that we see B2 in. Um, Cassian's like, I need you to lie for me. And B2 goes, that's going to take a lot of power. Like, I'm going to need to recharge. And I was like, so true. Like, literally so true. Because a droid is not the, the programming in any kind of AI. Like, it's not programmed to lie. And so that would obviously make sense that he needs more power to lie. Ah, literally, I literally started screaming. I was like, oh my gosh, this is literally made Think for me. about you when that when that exchange happened I was like oh <laughs> they did this one for Sage yeah like I think any scene with B2 they did for me personally um anyways literally so obsessed with B2 and also just like every every Star Wars project needs a fun little droid um didn't like that they totally disrespected him um at, in the end of episode three that was really rude when they were like unplug him uh, excuse me how rude of you, actually. I screamed. I was so mad. That's it on this episode of Sage has literal mental illness when it comes to droids. Let's talk about Bix. She is such a girl boss. And aside from that, I think that she has a really both like heartbreaking and also really well-rounded story so far. I think that like, like the most genuine emotion I felt during those three episodes 
like a lot a lot of it had to do with her and I also think that's a testament to acting like I mean okay everyone in the show side note is so talented like that's another thing talented and so beautiful I'm like you're doing the best you can but you've been given like not great dialogue and like some of the plot isn't really working for you but like I appreciate the effort but like in this show I really feel like everyone's talent is really shining through and I think that's a testament both to the acting and also to the writing for like giving actors things that they can work with that will make them seem like good actors because there are certain actors who have appeared in Star Wars who are very talented, but they were given not good material. And so they just kind of had to like do their best. <laughs> like we all know what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I appreciate that this show is really like giving those people a chance to shine. And also just reading like cast interviews and hearing these people talk about their characters, the amount of like att- like care and attention that these actors have given and like the thought that they've given to these characters is really apparent and you can see it on screen when like an actor really cares about the character that they're embodying and like to hear them talk about it and you can just tell that like these stories are not just meaningful to an audience but they're also very meaningful to these actors that being said Bix her and Cassian I love their little friendship whatever you want to call it you can tell that they have a very like complex relationship that has been developed over a lot of time even though we are just this is our first time meeting her and this is our first exposure to the two of them interacting um but I think that Bix herself you know like she has it's not going good for her right now she had a shit boyfriend Tim my literal enemy um who she trusted and who betrayed her and I think that's like the big part of it that a lot of people are kind of missing is that like she went to him and like and like trusted him with stuff about Cassian and also just like to be a support system for her and he immediately turned around and turned Cassian in which also like why are you turning this guy into the cops when you don't even know what the situation is just because you're jealous like that's already a big no-no Um, but also the fact that like he betrayed her trust in doing so but then also the fact that he gets killed when you're like okay as an audience member like I don't like him like he he needs to get away but like from the perspective of her character it's really tragic because he as far as we know we don't know a ton about her and like the other people in her life but he seemed to be like her main support system up to that point and so now having to deal with not only like that loss of trust but also the fact that he's no longer around to work through that with or to like explain himself to whatever you need for closure out of that and just like the tragic circumstances of which he died and I think that a lot of people are not balancing the fact that like yeah we hated him he sucked but also the like tragedy of his death I feel like is lost on a lot of people and I think that like and especially the impact it has on Bix because like she's the character we're really focusing on here and she's the one who is going to have a story going forward and so I think that like it's important to realize what his death means to her character and also like the circumstances of his death are very intentional and very like like noteworthy and um I think that 
some of those conversations are getting lost under the like, oh, we hate Tim. He sucks. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I hate him too. But what did that story actually mean in the context of the show and why was it important? And also like in terms of his character, like this is what fascism is. Like he turned in Cassie and he by all accounts helped them hunt him down and he still ended up dead because these oppressive systems don't actually care about the people under them. It doesn't matter if you're a rebel or if you're going against these systems or if you're like completely giving it to them or doing what they say or turning people over to them. It literally doesn't matter because they don't actually care about you. Exactly. And also, I think another aspect of that is Tim, this man literally just turned him in out of jealousy, basically. Um, And I think that, you know, he obviously had no idea what the situation was and was just like, oh, this man like hangs out around my girlfriend a lot. Typical male shit. Anyways, kind of speaking to that, though, it's nice to finally watch Star Wars and see the women in Star Wars and be like, oh, my God, that's like an actual woman and that's an actual woman's experience. Um, and I think that's really nice that we're finally starting to see it because not to say that any of the other female characters that we have in Star Wars are poorly written, especially in like books and comics. They're super amazing, but I'm talking about on screen. It's very rare, I think, to watch a Star Wars project and see a woman, period. Um, not what I was going to say though, uh, to see a woman having these experiences that are very familiar to other women. I think, you know, reaching out to a man who you truly love and care about, um, trying to get a support system and then to have that taken away from you and have that betrayal because sometimes men are just like that, you know? And I think that if Tim's character was a woman, that would obviously not have happened. So, um, Yes, gender matters in Star Wars. The fanboys don't like that at all. Sucks for you, I guess. Sucks for you because you can't reverse those roles, you know? Um, But yeah, I I love Bix's character. I can't wait to see more of her. Um, I just think she's genuinely written so well. Like, I love... She's this... She's what we talk about a lot is, like, this strong, independent woman archetype that we have um, that that is mostly you know, written by men. And it's obviously like, oh, wow, this strong, independent woman who acts nothing like a woman and acts just like a man with tits, um, which is really like the strong, independent woman archetype. And she does not fall into that at all. She is completely through and through just like a very well-represented woman in the show. And there's a lot of them. um, And I love all of them. And we'll get into so much more of that in episode four, because episode four, are you shitting me? I have so much to say about women in that episode. Um, So tune in next week for that, because I was going to say, like, trust me, I have a conversation to have about the patriarchy in Star Wars Uh in episode four. It's so it's right there. Also, oh, my God, when. I'm going to apologize in advance for when I talk about Mon Mothma on this podcast because <laughs> I have a lot to say about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that she's in this show feels 
really personal to me. Like, I feel like they did that for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I completely agree. I think that Bix is a great example of a female character who like bad things have happened to her and are actively happening to her, but she also still can have agency and she can still be her own character and she can still not be like, she still has a character outside of the things that are happening to her that she has no control over. And I like that they don't, she's not being defined by those things or her only purpose in the story isn't to just like be a victim. Like it's not that at all. She still has her own character and she also has her own character outside of Cassian. And I'm looking forward to seeing like what, what her storyline is going to be like now that they're kind of off in their own directions. Yeah, I like that she shows, like, actual, like, emotion. Like, her emotions that she shows are so raw. Like, I'm not even talking about just the, like, horrible, like, grief and, like, agony that she's feeling at the at the end um, of this arc when Tim dies. Her stoicism at times, her just, like, not outrage, I don't want to say that's not the right word, but kind of just, like, exasperation um, with, you know when Cassian's just like, I need you to do this for me. And she's like, come on, like, are you kidding? Um, but like, love her for it. I do. I like you were saying, kind of adding on to that. I like that her story does not revolve around Cassian. She has her own life, her own job. Um, and Cassian just kind of like dropped a little bomb in it, little, you know, as men do sometimes. Um, but it's not his fault. Like he has a job, um, or at least now he does. Uh, and yeah, I do like, I love her character. I really do. I'm just excited to see more of her. And I also am in love with her. So true. (laughs) So true. I love being bisexual and watching Andor. Not just like, I thought Cassian was attractive in Rogue One. I was like, yeah, but like, it's the hair and it's like the jackets. (laughs) <laughs> time to be alive no watching this show is so like they really had to cast all hot people thank you so much star wars for for doing that for me um we should talk about preax morlana which is this big messed up corporation um that does i don't even remember is the thing like i couldn't tell you what like they shipping do. or something yeah, like something boring and that makes a lot of money and is important to the empire but I love how this show is addressing not just how the empire is oppressing people but also how large corporations like Primor actually help to uphold oppressive systems like they have their own security force and like they mentioned that like this system or this planet I think it's a system is under the authority of this corporation, but it's as an extension of the empire and they're profiting off of it. And they're just doing everything the empire tells them to and like literally acting as cops for the empire. And it's like, a, it's a very real thing, but it's something that we've definitely addressed like corporations in Star Wars before, like especially like there's some Clone Wars arcs um, that get into it there's some books that get into it like it's not a thing that's never been addressed but I feel like kind of in this show the way that they are like showing this corporation and and the people who work for it who are assets of the empire and who are like 
actively harming and oppressing people for money and out of greed and out of like a desire to be a successful corporation and I think that again like I said like that's a very real thing and I am looking forward to kind of seeing more of how the empire interacts with them and vice versa like what the kind of dynamic is there and like what's going to happen now that they've kind of messed up like they didn't bring in Cassian they lost a lot of men like things are not going great and so I'm interested to see like what kind of ties they like actually have to the empire and like what the extent of that is and what's going to kind of happen next for these people and for Primor as a whole um but yeah I think it's a really interesting like narratively it's really interesting and it's a thing that I like that they're exploring and that they're addressing because one it's important and I think that it sparks conversation and two because it's something that like for me personally, I find narratively very interesting and a little bit more interesting than just like the Empire sending stormtroopers to hunt down Cassian. Like it's it's diff- it's a different idea than if they had just done that. And I think it works very well. And it's also like, you know, giving us a different perspective on things and like introducing a new concept into something beyond like, okay, and now the Empire is going to kill people. Like it's just adds to the complexity of like what the empire actually is which is something that i think star wars has been doing a lot recently and i really like because it's not that straightforward like there's a lot that goes into these systems that the empire has been upholding for like 14 years now and so i think that it's a good direction to be taking the show and to introduce like a separate entity who and have them have their own security force and their own officers and their own rules and regulations and systems that they control. And like, how is that going to, how does that affect the people, which we've already seen? And how is that going to play into like, once we kind of step forward and see the empire as a whole and like the ISB and these different systems and like move on to Coruscant and how do all these imperial systems and like officers and militaries interact with corporations like Primor? So true. Um, yeah, no, I do. I do think that having a storyline in which a corporate entity is profiting profiting off of the empire, but also wants to be separate. Um, in episode one, they literally are like, "We want them off of our backs, but they're giving us money." And I'm like, "Okay, but but you realize that you're profiting off of them. You are you are inherently, you know." um adding to their regime basically and in adding to in sequentially the systems of oppression that this regime upholds and i think that um you know moving forward and getting this difference between difference in storyline between um like cyril's character and these corporations um versus like the isb which sick Thrawn 2017 reference by the way love anytime they reference the ISB I'm like oh my god this is just like Thrawn uh anyways <laughs> uh but I do think that the differences in in between you know how does the empire keep its power um like what are the different ways that it does that uh and not just oh stormtroopers sending in stormtroopers to go kill everybody 
um, because that's not how systems of oppression actually work in real life. You know, it's not just one thing. Um, it's all these little things, these corporations, money moving, like things like that. This is all taking place and it's all negatively impacting the people of the empire or of the galaxy um, under the empire. I keep thinking of things from episode four and I'm like, oh, we should I know, me too. Like, Wait, no, we can't. We're not there. I want to talk about the ISB. <laughs> on Mothma. Should we do our closing thoughts? Yeah. I feel like we missed a lot for three episodes, but no, I, think no. we, I think we hit the boxes. Like we hit Yeah. Because I feel like we could get into more individual characters, but I kind of want to wait and see. Yeah. Like Luthen, I'm like, I need to know what more like what is his deal before I start talking about him he's so interesting I'm obsessed with him (laughs) I want to know everything about him like immediately forget pacing and story structure and everything just tell me everything right do you think that girl is his daughter that's what I was thinking when I was watching this I was like uh that's his literal daughter right yeah I'm really excited episode I know okay episode five is gonna slay one, because they've set up a bunch of interesting stuff. And two, because I know when they make the decisions to show like the first four episodes at the premiere that like the fifth episode is going to be crazy. Anyway, this is how Bill Organa is going to show up. At no, I'm just kidding. I don't think he's going to show up until episode six at the earliest. <laughs> how many episodes are there? 14? 12. 12. They need to leave some room. <laughs> the people who are like, there's no Easter eggs in this show. And like, that's a good thing. I'm like, but there literally are. Like, I don't think there need to be, but like, why are you lying? You mean there's not cameos? Like there are Easter eggs. I'm like, what do you think an Easter egg is? It just made me laugh. I was like, who said that? Because they lied. They were lying. You know what I was thinking about today when I was taking frantic notes about Mon Mothma is that we've literally never seen Chandrilla on screen like ever. Like, I think, I don't even think in Rebels. Like, I literally, we've never seen it. And I'm like, it's literally the capital of the New Republic when she, for the entire time that she's Chancellor. Like, Did she die? Um, She doesn't die until she retires, like, from being, because she, after the war, she becomes the Chancellor of the New Republic Senate. And then she eventually retires. And I think she just kind of, like, dies. Okay. But she but didn't like, die when, when, the new republic system was like i don't think so because she was already retired by then like i think she literally just got old and died you know good for her for just retiring but yeah no we've literally never seen it and i'm like okay this is like arguably one of the most important planets in the entire galaxy and or now's our chance now's our chance also because it was like one of the original targets of the second death star like they were gonna blow it up anyway wish they wouldn't have blown up alderaan that would have been nice. <laughs> Think about how much different things would be if Alderaan didn't get blown up. Or if Bale and Brea had been, like, not... Okay, but I do think actually about, like, what would Bale and Brea have done if they were not there and they had lived? Like, it's yeah. so interesting to me to think about. Because a lot of their apprehensions about a war were, one, Leia's safety, obviously, but two, the fact that they had a planet to watch over... But, like, what if they no longer did? Because it's once once Mon Mothma, like, once they found out about the second Death Star and she knew that her planet would probably be a target, that was when she started to kind of, like, pull back more and be like, okay, but, like, what about my home and all the people there? And I'm like, yeah, but, like, what if 
what if your home planet was already destroyed and you couldn't do anything about it? So like, what would you do then? Anyway, I can't go down this train of thought. I just really think that Baylor Organa should be in the show. Like, I know I always say that about every show, but like genuinely, this is the one where I'm like, it makes so much sense. I really thought when she was like, like naming off her names on the guest list that she's gonna be like, and then when she's like, oh, maybe we should invite blah, blah, blah. I was like, what if she just is like, maybe we should invite Baylor Organa so he can like not be the he can be one of the people not trying to kill me okay but just so you know if bail organa and mon mothma attend a dinner party together in this series i'm gonna have to like see a therapist like it's gonna be really bad for me also they literally they interacted in rogue one and like maybe a couple times in rebels but like all that stuff in revenge of the sith got cut out and i'm like they were like close like very very close friends who started the delegation of 2000 together and then like ran the rebellion together for years and i've seen them interact on screen like maybe three times it's not it's not okay like it's really not okay also okay if he's not in season one he literally has to be in season two because like how are you gonna show the formation of the rebel alliance and not have him either i just <laughs> want him to be in the end of season one so that when they do press for season two, Jimmy Smith can be there because he didn't get to do press for Kenobi because it was a secret that he was in it. But I'm like, like, you can't keep doing this to me. Like, like, just put him in the like post credit scene of season one so that we know he'll be in season two so that he can do press. Like I literally, Star Wars, I don't ask you for much, but you have to do this for me. Hopefully he'll be in it. For your sake. For my sake. For my mental health. It's okay. He's in Tales of the Jedi. So at least I will see him soon, no matter what. But like, please. Thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions. Please feel free to send us questions. You can DM them to us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. Once again, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode.